Okay, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, I'm almost, I'm almost where I need to be to get to my notes. But do you, re- do you recall last week? Well, we skipped last week. So, but uh, the week before, we had a pretty good, uh, pretty good time talking about uh, cells and uh, blood, blood supply and different things like that. So, so now we're going to talk about um, where did we come from, man. Find the right one here. Here we go. So, um, just to start off with, you know, we want to talk about the fact that God, there is evidence for God in the design of things that He created. Right? There's there's, there's evidence for everything that that uh, is out there. We don't have a faith that is blind. We don't have a faith that is um, not based in something. It is based in evidential truth. It's based in in the reality of uh, the fact that science, even though science uses evidence, we use that same evidence. There's no difference between that, their evidence or our evidence. It's just how we view it. Uh, so Hebrews 11.3 just tells us that through faith we understand that the worlds are framed by the Word of God. So through faith, God, we know that God did what He did. Uh, and so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. Uh, so something you can't see made the things that you can see. That's what that verse is saying. And the thing you cannot see is God. Uh, we're not able to see Him because He's Spirit. Uh, the, the Gospel of John says that He is Spirit, and we need to worship Him in His Spirit and truth. So, so we don't see Him, but we see what's made. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, says the invisible things of Him, meaning God, the invisible things of God from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. So when you look at the things that are made, you see God's hand on the things that you see. You see evidence of God. You see His touch. You see His mind. You see design. Uh, there is nothing in the world that is not designed. Randomness uh, and chaos and all those kind of things—they do exist. Uh, like I mean, if a tornado comes through, and uh, you know, then it's chaos, right? Because it's been broken up. But that's not designed anymore. But everything that is designed was designed by God. Anybody know what that is? Anybody want to guess at what that might be? A fossil? Nope, not a fossil. Bones. Not a bone. Cells. Not a cell. Pie. Not a pie. Oh, uncrustables. <laughs> uncrustables? The sandwiches? That no. Oh, no, no. No, I mean, that's all good guesses. But, um, okay, so, so this, this little creature here is called an Isis, I-S-S-U-S. It's a little garden insect found predominantly in Europe. Uh, and that's an adult size right there. This is a set of gears that help keep the legs of the baby or the nymphs, you know, as this thing is growing into adult. These are gears that make sure that the legs jump in synchronization. So when this animal jumps, these gears rotate and both legs fire at the same time. That's crazy. But but most scientists will tell you that that Mother Nature evolved this. Here's the problem: if if this creature, this little insect, doesn't have the gear, when he tries to jump, only one leg fires and he spins out of control. Yeah, it would be kind of cool to watch, wouldn't it? You know, take the leg off a cricket and watch it jump. That's, that's kind of what it'll look like. But, but here's a gear. This is a uh, you know microscopic photograph, a microscope. So I mean, this animal, 
you know, here, I, I found that, I, I got an email or found this online someplace a couple months ago, and I've, so I've been waiting to show this to you. I just think it's like, are you serious? It's this, this little bitty thing, right? Uh, I mean, that, it, it looks big in the picture, but he's probably like that big. So, uh, so anyway, I just thought I'd mention that because it's kind of cool. So, um, what we're going to talk about, though, is, is the value of, of man, the value of human, humanity. What, 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 is, what makes us so valuable? See, the issue of creation, uh, the issue of creation is that um, uh, God made us for a purpose. And so the issue of creation versus evolution, then, is the fact that uh, it really touches very personally on each one of us because it defines your value in the universe. If evolution is true, then you have no value. You're nothing more than that bug. I mean, you're no better, no worse than the bug if evolution is true, right? If creation is true, then there are some truths that point to your value. The Bible gives us God's Word, and God tells us how much He values you, how much He thinks you're worth something. A lot of times we go through life thinking, nobody likes me, I'm worthless, and, and we get all frustrated, and you know, sometimes people take matters into their own hands, right? And they can get really drastic about some things that they do because they think they're not worthless, or they think they are worthless. God says, no, you have value to me. I think you're important. God is telling each one of us, I think you're important. So, um, to, to deny the existence of God, it really begs the question about how much your value is worth. What are you worth? So, so what makes us the keepers of the earth? Think about that. People talk about global warming and save the whales and do this and do that. And I mean, what makes us the keepers of the earth? Who, who makes us that? Why are we so much better than an animal that's going to go extinct in a few years. Who cares if it goes extinct? That's, I mean, if evolution is true anyway. Um, do we really think that we're so superior that we get to decide how the, you know, the things that happen on this earth? I mean, who do we think we are if it's just evolution? We really shouldn't. So survival of the fittest, the mutations, descent, all of that, if that's the law of the land, then there's no value on any living form. There's just no value. So, however, if creation is true, then there is worth, there is value, there is position, there's all of those things. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, that's not up here, but you should know this verse pretty well. Because God says, He said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. God says that you're valuable, you're so valuable that you are the highest form of life on this earth. That's how much he considers you valuable. Um, so, the value of man is bound up in the reality of creation. So, you, some people would ask, why are we here? What is my purpose? You know, you sit in your, in your room at night and you say, well, you know, what do I, why am I even around? You know, my parents don't care about me. And that's not true. Your parents do care. God cares because you are valuable. Job, chapter 7, verse 17 says, What is man that thou shouldest magnify him and that thou shouldest... Set thine heart upon him. So, the first thing you've got to understand is that God's heart is directed towards you. God, God's heart. He loves every person. And his heart is directed towards every one of us. So, why did God magnify man over the rest of the creatures? Because we're special to him. We have his image. We have his likeness. We, 
as a restored believer, as a restored Christian, restored back to the back to eternal life, we have His image. So that's the first thing: is that God's heart is directed. The second thing is that Dave, uh, that uh, that God desires man. David, in his writing in Psalm chapter eight verse four, says, "What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him?" David is asking these questions: Why, God? Why do you care about us? Why do you care? And his answer is because he, I love you. God wants to, He wants you to know that from the very beginning. He says, "I love you." And then David also understands. That there is a design. God has designs on this. What does that mean, designs? I'm not talking about design of how you were created now, but what do, what do you think that means? God has designs on us. Anybody got any idea? Plans. Plans, absolutely. God has a plan for every one of us. Psalm chapter 144, verse 3 says, What is man that thou takest knowledge of him, or the son of man that thou makest account of him? So he's he, he has... Something for every every one of us. He desires every one of us to do some things. But why should God have a, have man on his mind? Because he loves us. Okay, so he didn't do this for the angels. God didn't become Jesus Christ for the angels. He did, he became Jesus Christ for us to die for us. He didn't die for the angels. He didn't die for that that garden insect. He didn't die for whales. He didn't die for bald eagles. He died for us. That's how much he loves us. The sadness, though, of evolutionary teaching that you might hear in school or read in the newspaper or see like articles that I could, where I found about the bug gear. I mean, all this. Evolution destroys your value and destroys your self-worth. It says you're not worth of, not worthy of anything. Evolution says you are the result of random mutation. You know, evolution says you're a mutant. Did you know that you're a mutant? That's what evolution says about you. But God says, no, you're my, my child. I love you. Evolution says, eh, take care or leave you. That's the difference. Okay, so I'm painting a picture. I want you to understand the difference. When you get into a discussion about people or with people about creation versus evolution, if they're, if they're a proponent of evolution, then this is what they're actually saying. They may not actually say it, but this is the result of what would happen if they were, if they were correct. Evolution says you have no soul. Evolution says you have no destiny. Evolution claims no higher calling on your life, no sense of sacrifice for others. There's no victory over evil. There's no victory over sin. Uh, all of those things are actually non-existent in evolution. Sin doesn't matter in evolution because you just do what you got to do to survive. Okay, so what I want to talk about, we only got about 30 minutes, what I want to talk about is man. The the the, uh, the 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 process of man, what evolution says. We're going to look at what evolution says about where man came from, how man got to be on the earth, and then we'll kind of compare that a little bit to God. So, what I want you to do is I want you to consider some things. What what is the evolutionary process? What does it say about human being? Where did the human being come from? Anybody know what evolution says where human beings come from? Come on. You got it. I mean, this is a giving. This is a gimme question. Monkeys, apes, right? We're all not, we're just descendants of apes. That's what evolution says. Okay, so you're the result of a mutation that started on the Earth about 4.5 billion years ago, uh, and then more recently, about five million years ago, you began a journey of separating from your ape ancestors to rise into something distinctly different from that, and and 
and beyond even consideration. So evolution doesn't answer the questions of why am I here, it just says, well, you're here. Okay, so science has given us a confusing set of terms. If you've ever been in, you know, in your science class or biology class and they, they talk about family and genus and species and those kind of terms, you got, are you familiar with those terms? Okay, so when they do that, it's, doesn't that confuse you? I mean, I, I took, when I was in, in school, I was like, I don't know. I, all, all I could get my head around was species and family. But my, my, my view of family was always wrong. But in any case, I want to show you a chart. And maybe you've seen, oh, this, I don't think you've seen this chart. I kind of put this together my way. But you've seen the terms probably like this. So, so the, the man starts from what's called a primate. And uh, uh, so we start with the apes. And then we descend down the evolutionary tree to come to this point here. So everything on here, homos and pans and gorillas and all of these things, these are all genuses or, or uh, 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 different groups here. Then you have a tribe, a subfamily. I'm not going to get into that. I'm just going to put it up here and kind of give you an idea. But basically we all come from apes, according to science, according to evolutionary teaching. We all come from apes. So homo is human. Pan is a chimp, gorillas are gorillas, pongos are orangutans, and hylobates are gibbons, or the lower apes. So these, you can go find these in your local zoo, except, well, you can find everything in the local zoo, even humans. They're the ones looking at the animals that are inside the cage. Um, okay, so the primates split from the other mammals about 85 million years ago. So, that's, so if you were to go back above the TV, there's another line of different kinds of primates, and they all broke off from that line and created this chart that we have here. The hominy, and I'll explain what that word means, split, that occurred about five million years ago. So homo means human. That's, the, I guess, like a Latin word that means human. Um, and it's at least, um, at least in the scientific term, anyway, the word homo. I mean, I know we have a derogatory term that we sometimes use about that word, but in the science it means human. Okay, so about five million years ago, this group here, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but hominini, I guess, is split at this point, and so these are all apes coming down this line till we get to the hominini here, and then they split from chimps into humans. Okay? That would be how science teaches um, our descent. Now, here's a statement that I, that, that I just, when I found this statement, blew my mind. I just couldn't believe it. The, the, this is a statement from the, the Australian Museum of Natural History. So, the country of Australia, just like the United States, has a natural history museum. Australia has a natural muse, history museum, and I found this on their website. This statement on their website says, Humans did not evolve from apes. We are apes. And our closest living relative includes chimpanzees and gorillas. So that's on their website. I checked it just two weeks ago. It's still there. That is their position. You are not a human being. You're nothing more. You're just a type of ape. Okay, that's basically what they're saying. i just like, are you kidding me? Okay, so there's three kinds of evidences, right, that are available for evolutionary processes. There's the pattern of similarity, which we've talked about. We've 
kind of beat that up a little bit in the last couple of weeks, are DNA sequences. We've talked about DNA sequences. And then there is what I would call the honest, unproven assumptions of common descent. And this is where we get into a bunch of unproven assumptions and scientists writing in, in, in scientific journals and making the case for where you came from and they have nothing to base it on but supposition and fantasy. Okay? So, what they say is all hominini or primate fossils are either ape or human. So when they find a fossil, it's either ape or human, whatever they find. It's just one or the other. Fossil evidences are just, the problem with fossil evidence is there's just not enough of them to put together any kind of valid case for any of it. They're just not enough. They can find bones, but they don't find enough of the bones to make a case for what they make. But then they'll create a story based on a handful of bones and say this is these people. I'll give you an example of that later on. 90, 95% of all known fossils in the world today, all 95% of every fossil that is cataloged in, in a museum or a university or wherever, 95% of them are shallow marine organisms such as coral and shellfish. 95% of the couple of million fossils, they're, they're ocean animals. 95% of the remaining 5% is, or, is algae, trees, and plants. Okay, so we've got 95%, then we've got 95% of those remaining 5%, and then 5%, the remaining 5% of this 5%, or 0.25% of everything, is fish, birds, and mammals. That leaves 1%, or... One percent of the quarter of a percent are actually from a single bone. That means they only have one bone of whatever it is. But they're going to build a whole story around one bone. There are so few human fossils because of God's judgment. Okay, so in Genesis chapter 6, there was a great flood. God came down so because of the angels were, were mixing with the women... Uh, and things were not going, uh, not being done decently in order, God ordered a flood. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 7, it says, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. So most human fossils, when you do find a human fossil, they're found at the higher levels. Remember we talked about the strata of the earth, the, you know, there's... there's there's a, there's a layer of dirt, and then there's another layer of dirt, and, and there's just piles of layers of dirt. Well, mo almost all human fossils, or fossils they think are human, are found at the higher levels of the strata. Everything else, like all those 95% of the, all the fossils, are usually found deeper. So you don't find human fossils in the same location that you find the, the kind of fossils that you do for uh, fish or, or coral or shellfish or something. The probable reason, I think, anyway, that the reason that you don't find a whole lot of human fossils is because when the sediments were, set, were settling after the flood, it covered the lower animals and all of the seaborne corals and all of the seaborne shellfish and everything. All of the because once the flood happened, you have to think about just think about the Missouri River when it's in flood stage. It's not clear water, is it? It's pretty muddy, right? Okay, so that mud came from someplace. It came from erosion as the water swept down the bank, the bank of the creek and the smaller rivers. 
it grabbed dirt and drug it along, right? And when it makes its way to the Mississippi River, then it makes its way all the way down to Louisiana. Then it goes out into the Delta. You guys know what the Delta is down there? And all of the dirt, when the, when the river reaches the ocean, the current slows down and the dirt settles to the bottom. And when it settles to the bottom, when the flood happened of Noah, when that settling happened, it buried animals. And that's where we get a lot of the fossils. But human beings, they could try to do it. They did everything they could to survive, and they kept going higher and higher and higher as the water went up higher and higher and higher. So they were on top of the sediment for the most part, and after they died, their bones just were, were just basically turned to dust, and so that's why you don't have a whole lot of bones of human beings. So that's about it. That's my answer for you. Okay. I don't, because when you think about it, there are very, very few human fossils. When you get right down to it. There are some, obviously, we find, we find them, but there's just not that many. Um, okay, so, so instead of being buried by drowning, and they floated until they were consumed. And, you know, the, well, one thing that did float very well was fish, obviously. And so they ate up all the remnants of the, bone, of the, of the, the flesh of the people after they were floating there dead. And the bones just eventually just withered away to nothing. You know? So, okay. So, how do we link all of this stuff to humanity? There's really too many links. There's too many links on the evolutionary trail to really discuss every one of them. And even really doing so is not going to benefit our time. So I'm not going to try to go through all of the names of all of the different kinds of different what was supposed to be a, a missing link at some at one point in time that is not a missing link today. Uh, so here's the thing. The effort by evolutionists to develop a link from an animal to a human is simply an attempt to connect man to the beginning of time without God. That's really all it is. So that's all you got to know. When they talk about missing links, they're trying to link you to something that began with, and, and keep God out of the picture. So the diagram that we looked at that back there... Um, it had four branches on it, but within each segment, there's probably within each of those branches as it came down, there's probably ten different species of animal that they have found that they are classifying as one animal or another, trying to link it to the human being. Um, and the branching, as like I said before, began about four, four to five million years ago, and it started with well, with a chimp. It started with an ape, uh, like an ape-like common ancestor. Um, and most of the ape ancestors, or the ape fossils they find, um, are called, this is, this is the word right here. If you see this word right here, anytime you see this, it's an ape type of fossil. And Australopithecines, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but I think that sounds pretty close. Australopithecines are apes and chimps. Anytime you see Australopithecine, you're going to see, whatever word comes after that doesn't matter because they, they make up dumb names. But basically everything in that line is a chimp. And everything else is the haboline group, which are humans. And, and um, they try to link this group with the astral fitnessines to humans sometime around 2 million years ago. So the evolution of the... Well, let me one more, more line here. The most significant... Habiline group is Homo habilis, so human habilis, and he's commonly known as handyman. 
So if you were to read something about this guy, you would, he would be called Handyman because when they found his bones, they found some crude tools next to him, like a hammer type of device or something. I don't know what all they found. But that's kind of where they get uh, that name from. So let me see where I'm at here. Okay. So the evolution of an ape to a man would require, really, when you think, I mean, it's going to have to require some miraculous changes that take place. So there are several major structural features. And this is when you start, when you start hearing somebody say that they have a missing link. They have to define it by this. Uh, to get to a human, the brain of the ape would have to be larger. So literally, this, our skull sizes are bigger. We have a bigger brain than apes. It's just by almost twice as much mass in our heads. I know some people's heads are bigger than others. I know, but on average, we we are we have a bigger head, bigger skull than than the ape. We also have um, generally a flat face, whereas an ape has a protruding jawline that comes out straight out to you know in in, the, in that fashion, kind of jutted out. Humans have more of a flat face. We have a straight back, and we have hips that are able to keep us erect. An ape cannot stand erect like you can. Stand vertically. They they don't they can't do that because their hips, their pelvis doesn't doesn't move that direction. Um, they have angled femur bones. They have longer legs, and they have an arched feet. So uh, actually, I'm sorry. We should have human beings need to have uh, an angled femur. So that would be this bone here. If you look at, a, at a, a bone of a, a skeleton, you'll see that there's a curvature in the femur bone because what that does is provide support for you to stand up straight. We have arched feet. We have shorter arms. We have weaker muscles. Uh, we have fully extendable knee joints that lock in the upright position. So even if an ape could stand, and if you go to the museum, you see a gorilla, he's, always, he's standing like this, though, because he can't lock his knees straight up. Human beings are the only animals that can... People that can do that. We have a strong big toe, uh, but the the toe of an ape is a little bit more flexible. So your big toe really all it does is support your keeps you up balance, but it doesn't grab anything like a like an ape does. So there's some differences there that uh, that would have to be changed from an ape to a human in order for the for this transition to take place. And there's some other things as well. Human beings. Think about this. A human being is unable to function in the wild without protection for any, for any length of time. I mean, you know, we live in Missouri. It gets cold here in the wintertime. Can you imagine what it would be like if you were naked living in the wintertime without a house, just trying to make your way out here like a deer or a turkey or any other animal? You wonder how those animals live. In the, in the cold, freezing. I know some of them don't make it, but the majority of them actually do make it. Most human beings wouldn't. Um, we're pretty hairless when you compare us to a chimpanzee who's fully covered with hair, but I know some guys got a lot of hair on their back, but um, that's not anything compared to what an ape has. So um, man is also capable of abstract thought, music, and language. And one of the things that's happening is today in a lot of like museum or zoos and laboratories and stuff is they're trying to teach an animal to think, uh, but all they're doing is getting an animal to 
repeat themselves over and over again to the, to the point where they repeat based on a prompt. So it's really not the same thing as you going to school and learning how to think for yourself. Um, so any, is that making sense? I mean, do you see, so when you think about the two positions of uh, the, the astropithecines and the, and the, uh, the homo halibus or the, the habiline group, they can never come together. They, they can never be linked together. Um, the human, uh, the field of human evolution uh, is, this is the problem that makes it really probably the worst of everything, is there's, there's several groups of, of people um, that are working for, really for honor and prestige. So they go out and they, they dig something up, and then they tell the world, I found it, and then every, all the other groups of uh, people they start quarreling and, and really trying to discredit the person that dug up whatever they dug up. There's really two major groups of researchers. You may have heard of these, this name, uh, the, the group called the Leakies. That's their, that's their last name. They, the Leakies and the Johansons, and they're still, even, they're still even running around even today, so they're, they're uh, descendants anyway, they're children and grandchildren. Um, they bicker back and forth about who's telling the truth about what they found. Major fossil discoveries, here's the thing, it was universities and people, if they can find a major fossil find, they can become very wealthy. The, the universities can become very wealthy just because of a major find. So, what the, so when money motivates people to do something, there's always going to be deception, there's always going to be lying, there's always going to be embezzling, there's always going to be something that's just not right. So these two groups, they bicker back and forth. They, they, they're after money. They're motivated by factors of, of, of all of this. So really, it's kind of impossible to determine any sort of evolutionary association because one group is lying about the other group, and then the, this other group is, is deceiving the rest of the world, and they, they, so you never know if they're telling the truth or not. It really is impossible to determine any sort of evolutionary association because of that. And evolutionists typically only talk about the fossils that fit their theories, so when they dig something up, they're only going to talk about what fits their theory. Um, just uh, about six months ago, a, a, uh, in a cave in, in Africa, they found another group of bones. They had to go into this cave. They had to, climb, they had to crawl in a small, small um, cavity. It literally had to crawl on their bellies about 100 meters. Then they had to climb a wall about 50 meters, and then go over the top of the wall and then down uh, uh, an incline about another 40 meters, and there they found a bunch of bones. I don't even know how they would have even known that they were there to begin with, but somebody, people who like to, do, you know, if anybody crawl around in caves? Anybody like to do that? Well, we did it in Kentucky. Yeah, so, so I guess if you find a cave and, you know, you crawl around here and see what you can find. And maybe you can find a bunch of old bones. I don't know. But that's what some people did. So they found these bones. And immediately, based on uh, just a couple of fragments of the skull and some leg bones, they, they deemed this a whole new species of animal. And they called it, uh, um, I didn't write it down. I should have wrote it down. Um, 
And it's another uh, group from the Homo group. So it's, they, they're saying this is another whole species of, of human beings or, or soon to be human beings. Here's the thing. When you, look at their, when you look at the pictures online, and I wish I had brought these, the, the way they picture the, the skull fragments looks about the same size as a human skull. But when you read the fine print and you read the measurements, you find out that the skull of, this, of these uh, fossils that they found are about 60% smaller than a human skull. So what that would kind of put us in the, in the apes category, really. And it doesn't have a flat face, and there's some different structures that aren't that aren't lining up right. But what they wanted to do was rush to the rush to the um, the world and say we found another species of of human, and we found another link to the in the chain because all they wanted was their prestige. They didn't even have it really tested or verified. They just did it because they were trying to uh, get the the money out of out of all of this and get the the research grants and different things that that helped them line their pockets. Okay, so what is the link then? What what is what does what does really matter for all of this? Again, back in Genesis chapter one, verse twenty six, God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and then that and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air. Okay, so what's at issue here is is God and his sovereignty. It's his sovereignty to, uh, and his position over all of life. That's what's important here. Claiming that man evolved from lower orders of life over millions of years, it actually discredits God. It discredits God, it discredits his word, and it discredits his plan for man. So that's all evolution is about. It's about discrediting God. Um, really, the attack is pretty satanic when you get right down to it, because isn't that what Satan was trying to do, was discredit God, even in Genesis chapter 3? And so ever since that time, everything that's been done against God is just simply to discredit Him. Evolution masks another major teaching of the Bible as well, and that's the issue of God's judgment. And judgment is an important part of the Bible. Evolution is a philosophical acceptance of death as a natural consequence of existence. If you ever think about death, death has... Evolution is, is just you're going to live and then you're going to die. And that's the end of it. That, that's the end of your existence. But see, the thing that God did, from the beginning He wanted to give us eternal life. So the, the, so the other major difference between the evolution and creation is, is life or death. Evolution gives us, uh, gives us death. Creation gives us life. Evolution teaches that all things eventually are going to die and there's nothing that can be done about it. Right? And, that, and a lot of people just feel that way. Well, I'm going to live my life, do what I want to do, and then when I get to the end of my life, I die and then I'm done. There's a lot of people that think like, like that. But that's, there's more to it. There's a judgment that's coming. Um, you know, No matter what we do, no matter how many... Scientific discoveries we find that keeps us living longer. There was a a lady at the White House last week, 106 years old. I mean, that's incredible. I don't know how people live 106 years old today, although God wanted us to live forever. Adam himself lived for 930 years. So, Richard Dawkins, we've talked a lot about him. He was talking to to Jon Stewart. You know, he's a guy on... Uh, HBO, I think, I can't remember what the show was he had, but um, he's still on TV someplace. 
He was talking to him recently, and Steve, John Stewart asked him a question about death, and this is how he, he responded about death. He said, I don't know what happens to us when we die, but I know that our consciousness is wrapped up in our brain, and I know that our brains rot. That was his answer. Isn't that pretty, pretty morbid, really? Okay, so my consciousness is inside my brain, and my brain is going to rot so that I don't have any consciousness. Don't think about this for just a minute. What about somebody that has Alzheimer's? So their brain is not functioning correctly anymore. Does that mean that they don't exist? Does that mean that their conscience is gone? Their soul, their spirit is gone now? Because that's what he's saying. That's crazy. Um, his statement is so far from the truth, and evolution is so far from the truth, and it deceives us and it hides it. Our consciousness, which is really our soul, is an eternal thing. And it's actually who we are. It's not just something that takes place in our brain. The Bible is clear that the soul either goes to heaven or the soul goes to hell, but it does not just rot and disappear. Death is the highest the biggest lie that evolution can tell. Uh, and something that was never intended to be directed at humanity, except in disobedience. That's the only time God was going to... God, the only, the only time God ever talked about you dying was if you were going to be disobedient to Him. Because everything that God said is about life. Obey and have life. Obey and live. Obey and, and, and receive the gift of eternal life. Disobey... Hey, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to deal with you. You know, you're gonna lose your life. You're gonna lose lose the gift of eternal life in heaven. Genesis chapter two, verse seven, uh, verse seventeen says, "But the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest of it, thou shalt surely die." See, even from the very beginning, God is telling us, and has told Adam and Eve, disobey and die. Romans chapter five, verse twelve. Wherefore, by one man. Sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. So there's death right there. So if death existed before man was on the earth, before sin entered, then it removes death as a penalty. But what I mean by that, think about this. If evolution is true, then even before we had any issue of disobedience or, or sin or anything like that, then people were already dying. Right? Death, if, if death just comes as a matter of life, then what is punishment for sin? It's just death. But it, it's, it, it takes away the sting of, the, of, of God's judgment. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And evolution, lastly, it eliminates the need for a Savior. John chapter 5, verse 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So here's the point about death that I'm trying to make. If, if all this if all this before you is evolutionary death, then there is no need for judgment. There is no sin to be judged about. And... and there, then that makes there no, makes no reason for us to have a, a Savior. But we do have a Savior. Jesus Christ is our Savior. So the only thing that we have 
going for us is the fact that God has given us the option for life. We have that option to live for eternity by being obedient and trusting in God. So, um, that's about. I think that's about everything I needed to cover tonight, and then we we're just a couple minutes over. Is there any questions on man? Where did man come from, and the apes, and all of that? You had a question, but okay. Well, I'm glad you forgot. <laughs> no, if you had, if you can remember it later on, let me know. Um, what I want to talk about next week is the age of the Earth, because there's always a discussion about is the Earth, you know, millions of years old, or is it six thousand years? And we're going to talk about that. Talk about a young Earth versus an old Earth. Um, and then when we get done with that, then we're going to we'll be wrapping up in the next couple of weeks afterwards. Talk about Jesus Christ and if he's a myth or not. And uh, look at that. So, because that's an important discussion as well. So, if there's no questions, let's go ahead and pray and we'll be done. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you and we praise you for all that you do. Thank you for.